to talk about to talk about this movie in all arizona which is the most yes. entertaining thing about that movie anyway so hello and welcome to the screen test of time i am one of your hosts susan raslin i'm the other one of your hosts david daw on this podcast we watch every movie ever nominated for an oscar for a best picture in order from the very first award ceremony to eventually the present year. We made it to year two, Susan. We made we it to year it! two. <laughs> yeah, we should, we should be excited. Yeah. This is the first movie in, in the second year of nominees. So once we watch everything in this year, we will we'll tell you in retrospect if the right movie won and if not, which one should have. And I can say, having seen only one of them... This one shouldn't win. But oh my god, this movie was it bad. It was so bad. It was... Like, I feel like this is the first movie where really, like... The first year, I know the, like, whole idea of the screen test of time is, like, you don't really, like, grade on a curve. We really just say whether the movie was good or bad. But I feel like that's so hard to do with silent films because they're almost like another medium from, like, all of the movies we watch today. And it was so hard not to kind of grade them on a curve. And this movie, like, five minutes in, I was like, fuck this movie. I'm out. I can't hear what anyone is saying. <laughs> This is fucking garbage. Why is there a barbershop quartet? I hate everything about this film. And you know what? That didn't change for nope. me. In 90 minutes, I hated the whole movie. I think it's actually pretty remarkable that we watched three movies that were made in the late 20s and early 30s, and it took this one before I was like, wow, this is an incredibly offensive movie. Yeah. In a number of ways. But to backtrack to what you were saying about grading silent films on a curve, yes... But even if this had been in the same year, this would have been way worse as a movie. Oh, yeah. Y yes. Yes. But I do feel like we were both so excited for, like, talkies. And then I just figured out, like, oh, my God, it's just a whole nother, like, one of my five senses for them to fuck up and be bad at. Like, I, like, <laughs> I just... It just didn't occur to me, this really isn't in old Arizona's fault. It didn't occur to me that, oh, of course they have no idea how fucking sound design works. They just invented this shit. So they just, like, put the microphone on the camera and go, eh, I'm sure it'll work out. I bet I'll be able to hear everybody. And it did not. I tried to turn subtitles on for this movie, and there weren't any, because it took a, a good 10 minutes before I could understand what anyone was saying. Yeah. Because it took 10 minutes before people were inside. Mm -hmm. At which point they all start really over-enunciating, which is the hilarious thing about this movie, is like, when they're outside, everybody's super casual, but it's... And then when they're inside, you can actually hear what they're saying, but everyone's like, you must go and find the bandit, the Chico kid, the Cisco, sorry, the Cisco kid. Uh, no, Ch Chico is from 7th Heaven. Chico is from 7th Heaven. 
the Cisco kid. I had so many Cisco router jokes I was gonna do when I thought this movie was like good, and that like I was gonna have to like come up with content. And then I was like, oh, this movie's garbage. I can just talk about how any scene in this movie is garbage. So should should we quickly recap what the movie is about? Which, by the way, the possibly the only good thing about this movie is the twist at the end. So uh, we're about to give it away. But if you're mad about spoilers for a movie that came out before you or probably your parents were born, get over it. I mean, especially because there's a grand total of, I would say, five minutes of plot up until that twist at the end. Oh, yeah. If that. There's a bandit. There is a colonel in the U.S. Army who is sent to to get him. They have a kind of a cat and mouse relationship, but mostly a both hit on the same woman relationship. And then the bandit figures out that the like woman has betrayed him to the army colonel and sends a note to the army colonel that the army colonel thinks is from the woman that's like, I'm going to run away dressed as the bandit. The bandit's going to be dressed exactly like me. Shoot me. My favorite thing about that note <laughs> is that there's a P.S. Remember, he's going to be dressed like me, a woman. Shoot the woman. And and the colonel, like, there was a half a second where I thought the colonel was going to be like, boy, this note is really protesting too much. This is definitely a fake note. And instead he goes, do you get it, boys? The Cisco kid's going to be dressed like a woman. And then they just go <laughs> off to shoot her. Yeah, that is actually the whole plot. Yeah. I mean, there's like some details in there that were missed. They're really not important as far as the plot is concerned. But like, you definitely nailed it. I thought it was going to like have fitfully interesting side characters, but the closest to that was the racist Italian barber. And then none of the other side characters even attempted to be entertaining. They were just racist. Right. Yeah, this movie was was remarkably racist. Mm -hmm. So first of all, the Cisco kid is ostensibly from Portugal, but he has an accent that is pretty speedy Gonzalez. And his girlfriend who betrays him, I guess is supposed to be Mexican, but is very clearly a white woman that they smeared some dark makeup on. Speaking in also speedy Gonzalez accent it was really bad and it slips in and out all the time it's just like generally foreign everybody had like this patter like vaudeville patter to like all of the conversations and it was like infuriating so my mom briefly when we still lived in new york would audition for stuff and was, in fact, the jury foreman for an episode of Law & Order SVU once. And one of the things she talked about was, like, how m weird acting gets when you're on camera because you want to talk like you're on stage, but if you ever try and do that, you look like an insane person. And this was a movie of insane people because everyone was talking like they were on stage. The colonel had this very specific back east vaudeville way that he talked. At one point, just randomly punctuating a conversation about women with hot tomato. <sighs> he was terrible. He was remarkably sexist. He was terrible as a character. He was terrible as an actor. He would pause for laugh, like he would do laugh breaks in his lines in this film. In the middle of lines. Yeah, yeah, it, he was really bad. The dark ending of this movie was like, ah, oh, good. 
I'm glad he's going to get court-martialed. <laughs> the one even uh. semi-likable, honorable character in this film who just had his girlfriend shot gets away scot-free. And semi-likable is definitely stretching it. I mean, I feel like the character would have been likable had it not been for the incredibly weird and offensive accent. Let me do a ranking. Where he is number two most likable character in this movie, number one is the put-upon horse they're putting a horseshoe on in Act 1. Yeah, I did like that horse. It, it was sitting there and seemed very upset to be having somebody fake putting a horseshoe on him, so he had to just have <laughs> his leg up for a long time. That horse was more likable than the Cisco kid, but then it was the Cisco kid everybody else. By a pretty fair margin. At least a foot. David is holding his hands about a foot apart. So as far as, as racism, we've hit how it was offensive to Mexicans and I guess Portuguese people. Though there's also a shot randomly where they just have two extras who are dressed as the most stereotypical Chinese people. Yeah, I feel like they were just like, oh, we need to get them in somewhere. There was a thing of just like, Italians, Mexicans, made fun of the British at one point in the dialogue. I think we talked about how the French suck. I don't... Can we just have two incredibly racist caricatures of Chinese people in the background for no reason? Because I feel like that's what we're really missing for the authenticity of this film. It's a crowd shot where something is happening and everybody is cheering. And the two white people with long black ponytails and little hats cheer, I guess, too loudly. Because everyone turns around and looks at them for participating. I really don't understand what the purpose of their appearance was. There's so much that happens in this film that is utterly meaningless in that way. When you first get to town after the first stagecoach robbery, there's my favorite thing in this entire film, which is four cowboys just sitting on a fence singing as a barbershop quartet. Then they just stop. Then the camera pans over to two men who just go, huh, says here in the newspaper, William McKinley's going to start a war. And then the other guy goes, I don't read the newspaper. And then the stagecoach comes in. It's just so much of this film is dialogue because, oh my God, we can do dialogue. It's utterly fucking meaningless otherwise. The side character who I found to be the most charming, who was a human and not the horse, there's a random drunk blonde girl in the saloon about halfway through the movie mm -hmm. who repeatedly says, all men are bums. In, like, that exact cutesy vaudeville Brooklyn twang, who had no bearing on the movie at all. No, I thought something was gonna happen with her. Like, I thought, like, one of the two men were gonna cheat on the woman with her, because they spend so much screen time on her. Yeah, she has, like, a seven-minute scene. Yeah. And all she says is that all men are bums. That's, like, her whole shtick. And there's a guy randomly singing in the saloon and they make comments about how he has a pretty voice. There's so much singing and everyone always has a pretty voice. Literally everyone in this movie sings and literally every time someone sings, someone says they have a pretty voice. Yeah, they were really excited about having sound. Yeah. 
But wow, they did not know how to use it yet. And the sound effects, I think, were also particularly egregious. At one point, they look over at a clock, and only when the clock is in the shot do they have a TikTok noise. Mm -hmm. And then when they cut away from it, it is no longer there. The same thing happens with the stagecoach, where whenever you're in a wide <laughs> shot of the stagecoach, there are all these bells. Everything, all the pots and pans are like clanging against the stagecoach. And then when you're actually in just like a close-up shot of the stagecoach, mysteriously, those are all muffled now. And you can't hear any of it. They definitely were excited to have sound effects and had no idea how they worked. Should we talk about, now that we've gone through most of the racism, how this entire film's plot hinges on the fact that all women are gold diggers? Yes. Should I, It's... <laughs> This movie is phenomenal for being racist, horribly sexist, managing to be ageist, fatphobic. I mean, it really just hits so many lows. Mm -hmm. But yeah, the whole movie hinges on the idea that women are intrinsically drawn to whoever can give them the most stuff. And honestly, not even make a convincing case that that's going to last very long. It seems like just the last man that promised you an amount of money is the one that you're gonna stick with in this film. So the Cisco kid, every time that he comes back to visit the woman who surely has a name, Maria. <sighs> okay, sure. Maria is her name because of course. Right, the the one Mexican woman name that the writers of this film knew. Exactly. So every time that the Cisco kid comes back to visit her, she's like, did you bring me anything? And he apparently always brings her something. But the first time we meet her, she's shooing another guy out of her house. And at first I was like, okay, so she's like, she's a prostitute, fine. People gotta make money. But it seems like, no, she's actually just giving it up to anybody who gives her a trinket. Yeah. There's a couple of scenes that imply that she doesn't know that he's a bandit, but then she totally knows that he's a bandit. But then it has never occurred to her to turn him in for the reward money until the sergeant is like, yeah. I'm going to give you all the reward money. Which, by the way, he totally isn't, right? Like, it's super duper obvious no, he's no going to take all the reward money. No, he's completely manipulating her and, like, promises her that he's going to take her back to New York with him. Well, no, it's, the, it's when that promise falls apart that he goes, yeah, 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 I was just telling you that so you'd see through it and figure out that I'm going to give you all the reward money. And she's like, yeah, I'll betray him for that. That seems like a solid promise that'll go well for me. That definitely seems likely at all. And his whole conversation about New York was, this is where the hot tomato comment comes in. He's talking about how you can get great petticoats in New York and how when it rains, women have to like lift their skirt to not get the hem wet so you can see their petticoats. And then he has this line, which was phenomenal, which was when it rains, that's when the real show happens. And I was like, you are just a garbage person. Everyone in this army has never seen a woman naked and is yet somehow the biggest perv I've ever listened to <laughs> in my entire goddamn life. The way the like members of this army talk about ankles, it's like there was a fucking subreddit for it. <laughs> 
it somehow was more disgusting than if they were just like actually talking about what the women looked like naked. And Maria turns on her mother? Who is the woman who lives with Maria who is older? It's like the nurse in Romeo and Juliet character. Yeah, she's so weird. At first she hates the bandit, then she assists the bandit in the plan that is like clearly gonna get Maria shot. Her loyalties don't make nothing about her makes any sense to me and maria is a total asshole to her and says that she is her cook we know that the relationship is is not that because of how offended the older woman is by it but it's never really clear as to what she's supposed to otherwise be she's just the old woman who lives with her who repeatedly gets called old and fat by maria by everybody god this movie yeah everybody in it is really just dreadful i mean the cisco kid is like an arguably charming i guess dude it's just take that accent off. I mean, the Warner Baxter was born in Ohio. Likeable was, you're right, a bridge too far. He's the only character who wants to destroy all these other garbage characters, and that endeared him to me on a certain level. Once that became clear that that was what the plan was, I was totally behind him. I was like, alright, you're smart enough to figure out how to get this one asshole to kill this other asshole without you being the one doing it? Fine. Also, the thing at the end where, like, I was going to say interminable, but that's unkind to maybe the best scene in the movie. But the scene between Maria and the Cisco kid at the very end, that's like the fucking acting reel scene where like he's <laughs> doing so much scenery chewing about my loyal, ever faithful, eternally honest and pure Maria who would never betray me. Certainly not to a sergeant who's kind of the origin story for John Wayne, definitely not to him. Now, put on this hat that I'm having you wear for no reason. The mantilla that he bought her Yes. from somewhere. He somehow came back with a lace mantilla that he keeps telling her she definitely needs to wear. And coincidentally is mentioned in the letter. That was actually, I don't know that it was interminable. It was just really long. In fact, there are two scenes with Maria. One when the Cisco kid first comes back before he knows anything is wrong. And one with the colonel or sergeant or whoever he is that are so long. It's like, yeah. we get it. You're dating. Yeah, no, you're right. At least something was happening in that scene at the end. But it was just like, God, all of the scenes in this movie are so unnecessarily long because I feel like this movie would be about... If this movie had the pacing of the racket, this movie would have been done in 15 fucking minutes. This is clearly an O. Henry short story that got padded out to a complete film. And I'm sure that the O. Henry short story it's based on is great because it's O. Henry, obviously. Yeah, this feels like a thing where, like, I almost would have preferred this as a silent film because then we could have had some, like, Wings-esque. Meanwhile, Maria fretted in her very soul title cards about, like, the inner lives of these people, because I got right. no sense of the inner life of 
anybody in this fucking movie. No, and the result was she was terrible. Yeah, yeah, because they were all doing vaudeville patter and then would suddenly switch allegiances for no reason. Should we talk about how this is technically the the second film chronologically of the 1928-1929 Academy Awards? But the first one doesn't exist anymore. I would love to talk about literally anything but this movie. So yes. I th- That's why I thought we should switch <laughs> over to The Patriot. A movie I have not watched and cannot watch is more interesting to me than this film I just saw. Speaking of The Patriot, so the Wikipedia plot description makes this movie sound amazing. And I'm really upset that I can't watch it. Because it's basically about a plot to kill a czar in 18th century Russia, and it sounds really good. Here is a thing that happens a lot in popular culture, and it is weird to me, is how many things have a backstory of a mad king and people who, like, are devoted to him but know that he has to go, and then don't actually show any of the, like, mad king court scenes where the guy loses his mind. And everyone's like, oh no, what do we do? It's in Game of Thrones. There's like four separate video games with a Mad King backstory. The entire plot of this film is like, there's a Mad King. And then there's a guy who's like, probably should do something about the Mad King. But he's the king. And like, I believe in the country. And I believe in the process. And whoops, a lot of people are dead now. That's pretty much the whole plot, according to the Wikipedia entry. Which, by the way, if I could make a recommendation to anyone listening to this as to whether or not you should watch In Old Arizona or read the Wikipedia plot description for The Patriot, go to Wikipedia. It will be so much more entertaining. Whatever you can imagine from the plot description of The Patriot is going to be a thousand times better than in old Arizona. Also, uh, if I can recommend either watching in old Arizona or reading the Wikipedia page about in old Arizona, let me recommend to you the Wikipedia page about (laughs) in old Arizona, because let me, let me give you some advantages it has over the actual film. One, it has the poster for in old Arizona, which blows the actual movie out of the goddamn water. Two, it has the efficiency of an accurate plot description, which is just a bandit attempts to escape a sheriff while falling in love with a beauty in old Arizona. That's the entire fucking movie. You didn't need anything else. Is he the sheriff? He's not the sheriff. No, the website I watched it on also referred to him as a sheriff. It also has an incorrect running time on the Wikipedia page. It actually runs 98 minutes and not 95. But And those three extra minutes feel like an eternity. God, do they. But also, also, Raoul Walsh was set to direct and star as the Cisco Kid in this film, but had to abandon the project when a jackrabbit jumped through a windshield of a vehicle he was driving and cost Walsh an eye. Yeah, see, that's actually a better story than the story of this movie. Walsh wore an eye patch for the remainder of his life. He never acted again, but continued his illustrious career as a film director. But Warner Baxter did win the Academy Award for Best Actor, Mm -hmm. which is just depressing he really overacts his heart out in that last scene between him and maria though that's true he he does i mean he does the most with what he has in a really badly written story no i was gonna give it credit but no fuck it we're we're not doing that we're not giving this movie credit like at least it's not like white hats and black hats is what i was gonna say but like i don't care enough about westerns to be like 
ah, the moral complexity of in old Arizona. It's like, no, the movie still fucking sucks. Like, I don't care. And I love Westerns, and I hated this movie, because it's not a Western. No. At all. Like, it has none of the grandeur of a Western. It has no moral complexity. It's like, oh, Charming Bandit. He has less moral complexity than Robin Hood. He robs from stagecoaches, but doesn't rob the individual people who are in it, which is not the same thing as robbing from the rich and giving to the poor. Well, here's the other complex thing about that is they immediately bring that up by going like, oh, that money from Western Union actually belonged to a guy. So actually you are robbing an individual. You just aren't robbing him directly. You're indirectly robbing from individuals. Yeah, and like, did Western Union have insurance, you know? I would have said yes, but this film seems to imply like, no, that money's just gone. When you trust Western Union with your money and the stagecoach gets robbed, Western Union doesn't have to do shit for you. You're just out $85, which I think with interest is a billion dollars <laughs> in 2017 money. <laughs> I have no idea how Western Union worked in the 1800s. Uh, I mean, they had a money transfer service. I, I think they just put money on a stagecoach and were like, go somewhere else. Susan, how are we rating this movie? Are we doing, should we do that? I think we should do one to 10 again. I will say no zeros. We could do no zeros. Okay. So we have to give it at least a one or higher. Here's what I want to argue. I want to argue that this movie is a two and retroactively every other movie we've watched gets bumped up by one point. <laughs> like just retro okay, like mean, we, <laughs> we can we can do that. But we also don't have to judge any of the previous movies by this one because they're in a different year. Okay. Okay. I want there to be like room for do I is this the worst movie we're ever going to watch for the Academy Awards, do you think? Because that's what I want to give a one to. God, I hope so. But I feel like, no, there's no there's no way this is the worst one. Yeah, I feel like there's... Because there, I mean, there are hundreds. Yeah. So... Like, I, that's why I feel like it's... <laughs> that, that was Sean. He said, don't forget you have to watch Crash. Yeah. I bring that up every week, honey. <laughs> I feel like there's like... I feel like I have to give it a two for that reason. For, for what one day we're going to watch Crash, and I'm going to want Crash to be worse than this movie. I'm going to give it, I'm going to give it a one. Okay. With the understanding that there could be another movie in this year that is as bad, but with the hope that there's no way that there's anything that's worse. Okay, yeah. There just, there just can't be. I mean... Looking at the other movies that are in this year, there's two reviews, yeah. musical reviews, which like will be very, very low on plot, I'm sure, but will be charming and entertaining. The five minutes of this film that were people singing were the only five minutes that the filmmakers seem to have a handle on how to make a movie. I feel like a movie that's just people singing and dancing the entire time is like, all right, now they're in their element. Now they know what they're doing. I mean, the sound quality is even better because they were like, oh, well, we know how to record music. Yeah. We just don't know how to record acting. So next week, we're watching the, the film that actually won, Broadway Melody. Starring uh, Anita Page, who is, is one of the, like, Zigfield Follies girls. So, you know, like, it can't be that bad, she said. Yeah. <laughs> Hopefully. Of course, last week I was like, I can't wait to watch a talkie. Famous last words. Also, I feel like I deserve 
or um, the racket deserves rather an apology from me because wow it was so much better than this movie the racket i feel like was like badly made but was a better movie if that makes sense yeah it got confused going from stage to screen but like was at least a good thing, if that makes sense. I don't know. Not fair to even judge it because it's in a different year. It wasn't it wasn't gonna win best picture against this movie. And that's just the luck of the draw. Some year there's stuff that just sucks all the way around. And then there's the year that like Citizen Kane and Gone with the Wind and a bunch of stuff that people love were all nominated at the same year. We just gotta make it to nineteen thirty nine, because nineteen thirty nine is Gone with the Wind. Eh. Mr. Smith goes to Washington. Of Mice and Men, mm. The Wizard of Oz, Goodbye Mr. Chips, and Wuthering Heights. Right. That lineup is insane. Yeah, so it it sucks for, like, almost all of those movies because only one could win, but clearly it was a year full of great movies. L- listen, Goodbye Mr. Chips I mentioned only because it's famous and not because it's one of the greatest films of all time or something, but I would take it over any movie we have watched so far so quickly. I, I've never seen it. And I would still do that. Yeah. Great. So I guess we can probably wrap this up because I it's kind of, I don't know that I have anything positive to say about this movie. I certainly don't. I I mean, well, the horse. I have positive things to say about that horse. It was a good there horse. There were some good cows. There were, there were some cows that were good. Mm-hmm. Somehow the sergeant managed to sexually harass a donkey and that just made me sad. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> But the horse got away clean. I think it was really because the horse was a male. It was really the only thing. Yeah. But yeah, onward onward and upward to next week yeah, and finger, the Broadway melody. Fingers crossed that film is not also just barbershop quartets out of nowhere followed by bad pans. It can't be. Right? But also it probably can, but also it probably isn't. I hope. The takeaway from this for anyone who's listening should be don't watch an old Arizona. Mm -mm. It's very, very bad. Do look at the poster, which kind of tells you everything you need to know and is better than the movie. Yeah, and somehow manages not to be super racist. Yeah. And that's it. We'll see you next week. Bye. Bye.